The products discussed in this podcast are only available in the United States. Hello and welcome to the Loomis Sales Full Discretion Funds Quarterly Update Podcast, where the portfolio managers share their thoughts on the markets and their portfolios. My name is Erica Cassell, and today I'm joined by Brian Kennedy, one of the portfolio managers on the full discretion team at Loomis Sales and on uh, the funds that we're going to be discussing today. Uh, welcome to the show, Brian. Thanks, Erica. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Um, but all right, let's dive right in. Um, Q2 was just as exciting as I think we wanted it to be. Um, but monetary policy did continue like it had um, in prior quarters, continued to drive headlines and market volatility. Um, but we did end the second quarter with that that long-awaited interest rate hike pause from the Fed. It does seem like market consensus looking forward is that there could be additional hikes before year end, but it seems like that's still up for debate. What's your team's outlook as far as Fed policy as we get into the second half of the year? Yeah, the Fed's continuing to message to the market that it's primarily focused on the inflation segment of its mandate. Um, there are some signs that inflation is gradually slowing, but we think it remains sticky. Headline inflation really remains well above the Fed's 2% target. Uh, markets are pricing in 25 basis point rate hike for the July meeting. Uh, beyond that, uh, future economic data is probably going to determine if there's another hike needed or not. And although the most recent CPI data showed a slowing rate of inflation, one number does not make a trend. Uh, we're continuing to watch wages, inflation expectations, and the shelter component of CPI for signs that inflation continues to cool. We agree with the market. The Fed's going to raise rates 25 basis points in July. Uh, we also expect the Fed to confirm its previous strategy re- regarding quantitative tightening and expect no change in plans to reduce securities held on their balance sheet. Uh, we'd expect the Fed statement to be hawkish, Again, a little bit of a hawkish tilt, uh, even as it acknowledges progress has been made on inflation. And then finally, if you look at today's level of Fed funds rates and inflation, real rates in the U.S. are actually turning positive. The more positive real rates become, the bigger the economic burden. So think about where Fed funds are and inflation starts to go down. Uh, you know that's a, That could be a decent-sized gap. So the bigger um, the real rate gap becomes, um, the bigger the economic burden. Something to watch is the Fed contemplates a pause or potentially more rate hikes in the second half of 23. But inflation is definitely uh, the game to be to be watching at this point still from the Fed standpoint. Thanks, Brian. And I think, you know, from those comments, it kind of leads me into into my next question. We did get a few stronger than expected data points from the market at the end of Q2 as well, both from, you know, CPI prints, um, labor market data. I think the last time we were together, the team did still maintain that we were likely still in the late expansion phase, um, but moving towards more of a downturn. Do you think that's changed at all now that we've wrapped up Q2, or, or is the base case still that a recession is really imminent within the United States? Yeah, we continue to think the U.S. economy is in the later stages of the expansion or, or late cycle. Um, U.S. economy has U.S. economy has been really resilient this year. GDP grew two percent in the first quarter. Uh, and expected to grow high 1% area in the second quarter. Uh, That's trend growth. Uh, So we're not seeing the type of slowdown that was predicted coming into this year. Uh, It's a very mixed picture in terms of signals and activity in the economy, however. Manufacturing data looks weak, but the labor markets and consumer spending remain pretty firm. 
The housing market looks stable to us, given the very low supply, but that's also affecting affordability. Uh, overall, there's not enough bad data to convince us right now that a recession is imminent, but situation remains unsettled. Great. Thank you, Brian. And of course, the U.S. is only part of the story, as we know. Um, we do continue to see high inflation, um, tighter monetary policy in certain parts of the country as well, or certain parts of the world, um, as well as financial strain um, in certain parts as well. Um, can you give us your take on more of the, the global macro picture? Yeah. So uh, a few different things going on around the world. Uh, you know, If I think about Europe first, the ECB looks ready to rate uh, for another rate hike in, at their July meeting uh, as they continue to focus on controlling inflation. Uh, again, depending on future data, this could be the last hike uh, from the ECB. Um, there's growing evidence of a downturn being somewhat imminent in Europe, uh, so the ECB needs to be cautious. Manufacturing and industrial production weakness persists as the energy shock is clearly hitting. Uh, the war in Ukraine rages on. And absent any unusually warm winter, another one, uh, the energy situation doesn't look like it's going to improve anytime in the near term. Uh, if I turn to Japan, the Bank of Japan has maintained yield curve control this year, despite market speculation that it may end sometime in 23. Headline CPI has dropped from low 4% to low 3% on an annualized basis uh, since January. So that decreases the need for them to lift the band. Um, China's a very interesting story right now in the fact that it remains the only major economy in the world that's actively easing monetary policy. China's actually closer to full deflation with the latest consumer price reading unchanged versus a year ago. Producer prices are already negative year over year. So the post-COVID lockdown rebound has clearly lost momentum. Uh, we expect further interest rate cuts and a reduction um, in the reserve requirement ratio this year. Consumer confidence is waning, and the housing market continues to suffer from a lack of buyers. Youth unemployment is north of 20% in China. So overall, it's a pretty tough situation right now. Wow. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And I think keeping that all in mind and kind of switching gears a little bit, um, maybe let's take a closer look at what happened to the portfolios in the second quarter. Um, as a reminder to listeners, you know, the full discretion team manages a full lineup of products uh, ranging along the risk return spectrum from their more conservative core plus products to more yield and total return enhancing focused multi-sector products. Um, starting on the, the lower end of that risk return spectrum, the Loomis Investment Grade Bond Fund. Um, the institutional share class of this fund, it was down a little bit, roughly, I think it was 0.69%, but it did outperform both of the listed indices over the same uh, three-month period they were down closer to a full 1%. Could you just provide some color on what helped and hurt performance in the second quarter? Yeah, so just looking back, if the first quarter was all about the perceived impending recession and markets adjusting to that narrative with wider corporate spreads, um, markets pricing in multiple Fed fund rate cuts at the end of this year, uh, 10-year U.S. Treasury yields lower as well as oil and other commodity prices, then the second quarter performance was reflective of a really resilient U.S. economy, as well as inflation continuing to be sticky in here. Uh, the fund did outperform its benchmark, as you said, for the quarter. That was helped by demand for corporate bonds, which was reflected in tighter spreads in our investment-grade rated holdings. Uh, if I think about uh, front-end rates and how high they've been, that continues to be um, helpful for some of the other positions in the portfolio, particularly a significant weighting that we have in the front end securitized bonds, uh, including CLOs, which performed uh, pretty well also. Uh, liquid reserves, cash and treasuries, 
uh, were a help this quarter, uh, just given the level of short rates and the fact that yields were moving higher in here. Um, the main detractor in Q2, although it was a very modest one, came from our positioning along the yield curve. So the yield curve remains very inverted in the U.S. We think over time and that inversion will correct itself. Uh, although we're currently neutral duration versus the benchmark as of June 30th, uh, we have positioned ourselves with an overweight in both the five and 10-year key rate duration buckets to take advantage of that likely curve steepening. Now, unfortunately, inflation did remain sticky during the second quarter and rates rose. Uh, the curve became even more inverted, and that cost us a few basis points uh, in performance. Great. Thank you, Brian. And next, let's take a look more at the multi-sector products, the Loomis Bond Fund and the Strategic Income Fund. And again, these portfolios do have additional flexibility versus um, that last fund and can invest meaningfully in sectors like high yield, non-dollar currencies, and even equities. I'm using the bond fund as a proxy. This fund was also down um, a little bit less, roughly, I think it was 0.39%, um, outperforming its listed benchmark, the U.S. Government Credit Index, which was down over 0.9%. Uh, for these portfolios, what were the major drivers as far as what helped in her performance for these? A lot of the same themes that were mentioned in the discussion of investment-grade bond were present in both of these funds in the second quarter. Uh, as with the case with uh, investment-grade bond, our allocation is securitized, including CLOs, uh, largely situated in the front end of the yield curve, performed well during the quarter. The, the curve inversion continues to offer some really attractive opportunities for shorter maturity structured products. Um, you know, also similar to IGB, both bond and strategic income benefited from their significant weightings to corporate credit. Uh, both high yield and investment grade bonds outperformed during the quarter on the heels of stronger employment numbers and also consumer spending. So if I look at areas like cruise lines, airlines, banking, those all contributed to the positive performance. Um, you know, again, liquid reserves were an outperformer, just given, again, um, higher rates across the board. Uh, and the yield curve positioning was a small detractor as the curve inverted uh, and were positioned for a steepening. Uh, I would mention that emerging market performance was a mixed bag during the quarter. Uh, we continue to see really strong performance from a number of our U.S. dollar pay corporate bonds that are domiciled in emerging economies. However, uh, Chinese property company bonds more than offset those gains as confidence and activity in the housing market in China uh, remains low. Great. Thank you. And your team has taken a more favorable view as far as adding duration across all of these portfolios through the second quarter. How are you positioning the portfolios today? And, and do you think there's still opportunity in, in adding duration? Yeah. As of June 30th, we were neutral versus our benchmarks. And that means we've come a long way in the last couple of years as far as duration positioning was concerned. Uh, we were actually going back to 2021 at 1.3 years underweight the benchmark, and we did start to add duration during the course of 2022 and got to about neutral the benchmark uh, at, the, uh, at the end of 2022. Um, you know, we had high conviction that inflation was going to be sticky, and the idea of a Fed pivot that was priced into the mark was wrong, and that's why we had been uh, so uh, underweight duration versus the benchmark. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we do have a slight steepening bias in our duration positioning today. Again, long five and 10 year key rate duration buckets, as we do think the curve will steepen at some point as inflation slows and the Fed pauses its rate hikes. Uh, if I think about early July, uh, we actually went a quarter year long in the funds versus the benchmarks. And that was a time period where the 10 year moved up over 4% to about 409 is where it peaked out. And that's about where we started to add a little bit more duration. Um, and so we do think we're closer to the end of this rate hiking cycle and inflation starting to um, 
to normalize uh, than the beginning of, of, the, than this, of this cycle. So uh, in our mind, uh, getting longer duration at this point in time is, is attractive uh, given where yields have gone to. Great. Thank you, Brian. And then as far as outlook and and looking at different sectors and industries and how they're positioned today, is anything starting to look particularly attractive to your team? Or is there anything you're really avoiding starting to start see um, certain warning signs in? Yeah, something that uh, we've continued to avoid and really have never had much of a waiting in at all our, our regional banks. And, uh, you know, in our opinion, we've just not seen an appropriate premium uh, to own uh, regional banks over owning the money setter banks. Uh, so t- today's challenges for the regionals with deposit flight, although it's slowed, and then commercial real estate exposure leaves us feeling we can do better elsewhere. Uh, as, th- as far as things that we're adding or looking at are starting to get attractive at this point late in the cycle, I think we're more focused on individual names as opposed to sectors. But that said, European banks are starting to price in a downturn, and that could start to look like an attractive area for us to to make an addition to pretty soon. Thanks, Brian. And then, of course, as you mentioned, as far as really diving into you know the individual security selection, your team is really known for doing that bottom-up security selection and credit research, um, and of course, supported by uh, Loomis's world-renowned credit research resources. And your team incorporates its, these six main pillars of security selection. It's fallen angels, cheaper rating, upgrade candidates, uh, stressed or de-stressed, avoid the losers, and new issue premium as far as like the key themes. Um, and given where we are in the credit cycle, your macro views, what would you say are the pillars that you're finding the most interesting today? And would you be able to provide a, an example or two? Yeah, sure. Uh, a couple of things. I think this late in the cycle, you know, the pillar uh, about avoiding losers is important. Uh, it, it, it is challenging uh, as we maybe start to see an economic slowdown uh, that we have to be careful about um, security selection. Security selection is always really important to us. But, you know, a couple of, of, of ideas uh, that we're, we're still thinking about in the upgrade candidate pillar, uh, and they both come from the emerging markets category. Uh, Teva Pharmaceuticals is uh, um, a distributor uh, of generic uh, drugs, and they, they settled all of their opioid litigation for less than the market expected and are continuing to focus on debt reduction and reducing leverage. And Semex, which is a cement producer in Mexico and the U.S., and they've maintained pricing power and margins. We think both of those are, are still upgrade candidates uh, in the future, in the next c- coming one to two years. And then in the cheap for rating category, uh, I just look at the amount um, of inversion in the SOFR curve and it makes AAA and senior MES CLOs look really attractive right now. There's a lot of carry uh, in those rating categories currently. So those are an area um, that we're focused on right now as well. Awesome. Well, Brian, that's all I had for you today. Thank you so much for, for sharing your thoughts. Um, and for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more about the, the Loomis Sales Full Discretion Funds and about how Brian and his team run these strategies, please reach out to your Natixis wholesaler, or you can visit us on our website at im.natixis.com. Important information. Standard performance as a percentage for the Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund as of June 30, 23. Class Y. Three months, negative 0.69%. Year to date, 2.60%. One year, 1.20%. Three years, negative 1.19%. Five years, 2.2%. 10 years, 2.62%. Class A. Three months, negative 0.75%. Year to date, 2.48%. One year, 0.84%. Three years, negative 1.44%. 
5 years, 1.94%. 10 years, 2.36%. Class A with 4.25% maximum sales charge. 3 months, negative 4.99%. Year to date, negative 1.91%. 1 year, negative 3.44%. 3 years, negative 2.86%. 5 years, 1.07%. 10 years, 1.92%. Standard performance as a percentage for the Loomis Sales Bond Fund as of June 30, 23. Retail class. 3 months, negative 0.46%. Year to date, 2.50%. 1 year, 2.39%. 3 years, negative 0.09%. 5 years, 0.37%. 10 years, 1.81%. Institutional class. 3 months, negative 0.39%. Year to date, 2.61%. 1 year, 2.63%. 3 years, 0.16%. 5 years, 0.62%. 10 years, 2.07%. Top 10 holdings for the Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund as of June 30, 2023. Continental Resources, Inc. 5.75% January 15, 2031, 0.46% of Portfolio. Energy Transfer LP 5.75% February 15, 2033, 0.48% of Portfolio. Bank of America Corp 3.419% December 20, 2028, 0.53% of Portfolio. T-Mobile USA, in 3.875% April 15, 2030, 0.57% of Portfolio. Goldman Sachs Group, in 4.482% August 23, 2028, 0.7% of Portfolio. JP Morgan Chase & Co. 4.125% December 15, 2026, 0.79% of Portfolio. U.S. Treasury Bonds 2% November 15, 2041, 1.23% of Portfolio. U.S. Treasury Bonds 2.25% February 15, 2052, 1.45% of Portfolio. U.S. Treasury Bonds 3.25% May 15, 2042, 2.29% of Portfolio. U.S. Treasury Notes 0.125% August 31, 2023, 2.33% of Portfolio. Performance data listed represents past performance and is no guarantee of, and not necessarily indicative of, future. Results. Total return and value will vary, and you may have a gain or loss when shares are sold. Current performance may be lower or higher than quoted. For most recent month-end performance, visit im.notizeyes.com. Performance for other share classes will be greater or less than shown based on differences in fees and sales charges. Performance for periods less than one year is cumulative, not annualized. Returns reflect changes in share price and reinvestment of dividends and capital gains, if any. For the Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund, gross expense ratio 0.80%, Class A share, slash 0.55, Class Y share. Net expense ratio 0.74%, Class A share, slash 0.49%, Class Y share. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and slash or reimburse expenses, with certain exceptions, once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire on April 30, 24. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios may be the same. For the Loomis Sales Bond Fund, gross expense ratio 0.93%, retail class, slash 0.68%, institutional class, Net expense. Ratio 0.91%, retail class, slash 0.66%, institutional class. As of the most recent prospectus, the investment advisor has contractually agreed to waive fees and slash or reimburse expenses, with certain exceptions, once the expense cap of the fund has been exceeded. This arrangement is set to expire on April 30, 25. When an expense cap has not been exceeded, the gross and net expense ratios may be the same. Loomis Sales Investment Grade Bond Fund Risks. Fixed income securities may carry one or more of the following risks, credit, interest rate, as interest rates rise bond. Prices usually fall, inflation and liquidity. Foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, 
cryptocurrency and information risks. Foreign securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities, due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity. These risks are magnified in emerging markets. Below investment grade fixed income securities may be subject to greater risks, including the risk of default, than other fixed income securities. Mortgage-related and asset-backed securities are subject to the risks of the mortgages and assets underlying the securities. Other related risks include prepayment risk, which is the risk that the securities may be prepaid, potentially resulting in the reinvestment of the prepaid amounts into securities with lower yields. Loomis Sales Bond Fund Risks Fixed income securities may carry one or more of the following risks, credit, interest rate, as interest rates rise bond. Prices usually fall, inflation and liquidity. Below investment grade fixed income securities may be subject to greater risks, including the risk of default, than other fixed income securities. Foreign and emerging market securities may be subject to greater political, economic, environmental, credit, currency and information risks. Foreign securities may be subject to higher volatility than U.S. securities, due to varying degrees of regulation and limited liquidity. These risks are magnified in emerging markets. Currency exchange rates between the U.S. dollar and foreign currencies may cause the value of the fund's investments to decline. Equity securities are volatile and can decline significantly in response to broad market and economic conditions. The Bloomberg U.S. government slash credit bond index is the non-securitized component of the U.S. aggregate index and was the first macro index launched by Barclays Capital. The U.S. government slash credit index includes treasuries, i.e., public obligations of the U.S. Treasury that have remaining maturities of more than one year, government-related issues, i.e., agency, sovereign, supranational, and local authority debt, and corporates. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit im.notizeyes.com or call 800-862-4863 for a prospectus or a summary prospectus containing this and other information. Read it. Carefully. This material is provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. There can be no assurance that developments will transpire as forecasted. Actual results may vary. The views and opinions expressed are as of July 26, 2023 and may change based on market and other conditions. Natixis Distribution, LLC is a limited-purpose broker-dealer and the distributor of various registered investment companies, for which advisory services are provided by affiliates of Natixis Investment Managers. Natixis Distribution, LLC, Fund Distributor, Member FINRA SIPC, and Loomis, Sales and Company, LP are affiliated. Add tracks, 1468933-211. Pod 96, June 2023. Expiration date, October 31, 2023.